Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. I'm Kristen, I work at Spotlight and I'm delighted to be back hosting after taking a little time out to have a baby. I'm even more delighted that today I'm going to be talking to actor, writer, comedian, content creator and Spotlight member Johnny Weldon. So Johnny's performed on stage and screen from a young age and recently he can be seen in Sneakerhead, Breeders and The Outlaws. He's also just finished playing the role of Casper in 101 Dalmatians at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. You might also be familiar with his work online, where he's been posting comedy sketch videos about life as an actor that have seen him amass hundreds of thousands of views. So without further ado, welcome Johnny. How are you? Thanks very much for having me. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um... So first of all, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you get started in acting? Uh, yeah, I can. I think just um, uh, I just liked showing off as a kid, really. That's all it was. I wish I had some more kind of, uh, you know, seriously deep artistic ambition, but it was more that I just liked sort of being a nuisance as a, as a child. And then when I started acting when I was about 11, that was my, my first job was... I played Michael Banks and Mary Poppins in the West End when I was 11. Um, and that was all down thanks to my mum, really, who is, you know, one of the most important people. She saw one of these open auditions in the stage or something. And, um, you know, they had these kind of regional auditions across the country. And I went and then had these various rounds and recalls and what have you. And before I knew it, I was on the stage at the Prince Edward Theatre with... Cameron Macintosh and all of those people when I was 11 and it was just uh, completely otherworldly because I come from a tiny little seaside town near Bournemouth and neither of my parents not, not really any of my family are in the industry at all so none of us knew anything about it somehow got the role and then when I was 11 that was it I'd go to school until 3 p.m and then my mum would drive me up to London and do a show and that lasted for about eight months. How did you find that as a child doing balance oh, school and not- everything? Well, I loved it because every child wants to like not be in school anyway, and 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 then and then to have an ex- the excuse being I'm in a show in London was just the coolest thing ever. And obviously, the older you get in the industry, the more hard the harder it gets, mm. and the more it takes a toll on your mental health, and the more seriously you take it, and all of that. But when you're that age, it's just like this weird fun game. So. I was just kind of riding the wave of how of the novelty and how, how, how exciting it was, and then that that started to lead on to other opportunities. So, I think that I think the associate director was James Powell, who works on Les Mis, and he then brought me across. So I played Gavroche after that, and then I went to the Sylvia Young's Theatre School. So I kind of just kept doing it throughout my teen years, really. So I started when I was eleven. I'm 28 now. So I, yeah, I suppose I've kind of not really known much differently you know yeah. it hasn't as we'll probably talk about it's not been consistently working yeah. obviously the whole time I've done all the day jobs you can possibly do um but yeah that was kind of my my route into it and I suppose just just because I I just always wanted to show off isn't that terrible I just wanted to get involved with school plays and mess around and just put on various hats and do stupid voices which I still do every night on, on stage at the minute. <laughs> um, so did you know from the beginning that this was what you wanted to do with your with your life? Um, yeah, I mean, well, yes, I suppose when I was 11, I didn't really have any concept of like career. 
Um, but the older I got, and even through all the hardships of it and how all the rejection and setbacks and mm. all of that, I never really found anything else that I thought this is what I would rather be doing. Yeah. But it wasn't always necessarily acting. Like I was, do- I did stand up for a while as well. I did stand up off the back of uh, quiet periods of times with auditions. I focused on writing for a bit as well. It's always it's always been stuff within the the, the arts, if not. Yeah, if not just necessarily acting. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever... I mean, in the pandemic, I started looking at, you know, when, when there was absolutely nothing going on, I started thinking about other things that I could potentially do before everything took off with the videos and, 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 and sort of took things in a new direction. But yeah, I suppose... I suppose that this this is sort of what I've always fancied doing, which seems a bit mad, really, because when you think about what we do and what we put ourselves through, maybe if I knew what it was going to be like, I wouldn't have chose to do it. But when I was 11, it seemed like a really sensible idea. Well, it's working well for <laughs> you so far. So. Well, um, yeah. Can you share, like, can you think about some of your best and your worst audition experiences and share those with us? Well, um, yeah... I mean, do you know what? I've got so many stories that I could tell you of. Yeah, just tell uh, us a story. Well, no, I mean, uh, I remember one of my best friends accidentally, my, one of my best friends was in an audition, very elderly casting director who was kind of quite quiet and quaint, and, and he walked to the door and he turned around to say goodbye and waved his hand without realising that she'd quietly walked up behind him and he sort of backhanded oh. her across the face. <laughs> As they left the audition, I've also, I, I mean, I've heard some real, real true horror stories. I mean, I, I actually don't know if I can place a specific, I probably have, like a specific audition that was absolutely dreadful. But the first one that came to mind was auditioning for the Take That musical and being told I just had to sing. Mm-hmm. And I turned up eating a Greg's steak bake <laughs> and it was um, above the um, what is it where Six was on the art, the Leicester Square the Arts Theatre or whatever it's called and and I turned up and there was all these unbelievably ripped handsome young guys with like the vests and the shorts and they were just you know that, that thing when I don't know if you ever see it maybe not so much at Spotlight but in like pineapple where they're having a conversation and whilst they're chatting one of them's just got their yeah, leg above their head stretching. like that yeah <laughs> like that's a really normal thing to do like just stretching chat at the same time for me they're not mutually exclusive I can't you know I can't do them both at the same time and I was in the corner sort of eating a really flaky um burning steak bake and uh and then had to go in and had to go in and audition and dance and I've done quite a few of these musical theatre auditions where I just I can't keep up and it's just so embarrassing for me and for them. And then you try and hide at the back and then they say, okay, we're going to bring people at the back to the front and all of that. So I've done a lot of those really exposing, embarrassing auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've auditioned for so many commercials as well. I mean, I remember one commercial I, I went up for, this is just, I've not thought of this in years. I just, I had to take, my, I probably wouldn't happen now, but I was on a hot beach and I just had to run into the sea and it was for an ice cream and I was I had to lie on the floor, take off my T-shirt and then just just run across the room and just run at the panel. And it was one of those things where you go, what on earth <laughs> am I doing here? But I've had certainly more bad audition experiences than good, I would say. That's a shame. 
<laughs> well, yeah. But it makes for good stories, I guess. So pros and cons. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, now I try and look at auditions as this military operation where I learn the lines I go in. I kind of plan what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I just kind of graduated and I was 18, I, I must have been awful. If there's any tapes out there, I'd love to see them. I must have been turning up with absolutely no concepts of, of, of what to do whatsoever. It's just the idea of you with a steak fake breath, like <laughs> singing over people makes me chuckle. They've just Poor opened man. one by the Spotlight Studios now. So if anyone's like planning on coming to rehearse or audition at Spotlight, don't go to Greg's first. <laughs> don't go or to Greg's. Unless, unless it's before 11am and you can get the bacon roll coffee for £3. <laughs> See, I'm like a hardcore <laughs> Greg's. Is that the big one? On the, the big one yeah. on the corner? Is it yeah, open? they had the opening ceremony and everything. <laughs> ceremony uh-huh. nice <laughs> um do you remember the first job that you got through spotlight please say I remember my one. first my, my first audition was for um mersey beat do you remember that yes i must have been about 10 or something and i was invited up to the bbc studios and i saw phil jupiter so that really excited me it was my first time i'd ever seen a celebrity that was my first because I, I i i was on a like a children's kids agency books and that would have all been linked to spotlight and then and then I suppose Mary Poppins but that wouldn't have been through spotlight but when I I mean when I went to when I was lucky enough to get into Sylvia Young's I was part of the Youngers agency around there I was about 11 12 years old that's when I would start going up for commercials and audio things and films and like this on on the regular that would have been all through spotlight so I've spent my I've spent. I've been going to. I've been going to those studios for for about almost twenty years now. God, that's terrifying. So, as you said, you started on stage, um, and then you were saying you kind of were doing comedy in between roles. Is that right? Um, so, how did you transition from acting to comedy, and how complementary are those? Well. So when I, I didn't go to drama school because by the time I got to 18, I already was lucky enough to have quite a nice CV, which meant I could email agents and they would take me seriously and invite me in for, for meetings and stuff like that. So by the time I, yeah, in my, in my late teens, early twenties, I was just auditioning and, and working and, and then not working and then auditioning and just doing the, the just playing the game of the industry. And, um, and then it sort of started to, because I, I, I think, maybe not so much anymore, but I sort of always looked quite young for my age. So when I was like 22, 23, I found myself still playing teenagers on stage. And then I think I got into my kind of mid-20s and it started to quieten down a little bit. And I was still auditioning, I was still working away. And I, I just started to think, what, what, what are the things that I could do? What was, you know, mm-hmm. with acting, you spend so much time of everything being out of your control uh, or, or certainly that's the way it's perceived, I think, you know, that that the actors aren't the ones that are able to make their own opportunities. Then this is what I kind of grew up thinking, that they're not able to do this. And you have to wait for other people. You have to wait for agents. You have to wait for cast members. You have to wait for directors to give you your opportunity, um, which I later just found out is, isn't the case. But anyway, I got into my mid-20s and I was like, well, you know, what can I what can I do? So I started to think about the things that I loved and enjoyed. And one of them was always comedy, stand-up comedy. And the other thing I liked about stand-up as well is that it was immediate. You could write and direct and you could, you could make your own stuff. You could put it on stage that night. And 
And if it went well, that was down to you. And if it didn't go well, that was also down to you. And you'd have to go away and work on it and bring it back. And I just kind of like the, that payoff element a bit. Plus, as I said, just messing around and showing off was the kind of only reason I wanted to get into it in the first place. And so this was just an extension of that. But I didn't know how to go about it. So I just uh, Googled um, stand-up comedy courses in London and paid for one. And I did this eight-week. This was a few years ago now. I did an eight-week comedy course with um, 10 or so different people. It was Mm -hmm. like a... It was like a, a, a meeting. We'd all sit in chairs every night. It was at the Umbrella Rooms, just, you know, off Tottenham Court Road. We'd all sit around with a pro comedian. And every week we would be taught a different thing about comedy. So one week would be about writing and the other week would be about heckling. I mean, one week was just... Yeah, it was a week dedicated to heckling. Yeah, how awful oh, wow. is that? We had to get up one by one and just sort of they'd hurl polite at. abuse. At I know, I, it was awful. I, I was paying to do it. Um <laughs> Awful. And, you know, and, and, but then the main reason I did it is because the, the, the final night was this showcase of other pub in Leicester Square where you could invite all your friends. And there was like 100 people in this room and they all were so eager to support all of their friends. And I think I can speak from the entire course and I say it was like the best gig that we'd ever do. Because you could say anything and people would find it hysterical, yeah, even, though it was, <laughs> even though it was a really, really bad like observational comedy pun or something really dated now. Um, and then, you know, and then after that, I just decided to start start gigging as much as I could. And I spent a few years doing that. And, you know, it's very, very accessible for anybody that's listening that wants to do that. You can literally join a Facebook group probably right now where there'll be open mic spots tonight in Soho and you can go and <clears throat> join a new community and, and you can try it. Um Obviously, as well, it's you know, it's it's not just as, it's not just straightforward. But I kind of like the idea of if you do it, you work hard. Hopefully, you get better. Then you can enter competitions, and then you can get bigger and better and more well known, and hopefully paid. And I like the the idea of the linear progression as opposed to spending years going to commercial castings and holding a bottle of Fanta, going, "Is this acting? I don't know." Um, so I, I yeah, I, I just gave that a go. And then there was a global pandemic. <laughs> that's what happened. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's that. That was that was kind of my path into. It. I mean, I, and and you asked about was it easy? I mean, it was certainly easier. There was a lot of people on the course that really had uh, kind of you know not even confidence issues, but just weren't used to public speaking. Mm-hmm. That was in no way linked to their job. They had no experience of it whatsoever. Yeah. So a whole a whole part of it for them was even being on a stage and and talking to people and trying to be entertaining. Whereas, you know, not all actors are extroverts, but if, you, if you've ever stood on a the stage, then you've already kind of ticked that bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it, it certainly, I think it did help, yeah. And then on the subject of making your own work, so we'll speak about your um, sketches, your comedy sketches that are on social media that obviously have loads of views, Millions I've seen. Whoa. Is it? Let me just get let me just get my my tally chart out, my Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. You got an abacus back there. Let um, me get my abacus out. <laughs> um, but my question is, uh, I mean, they're they're brilliant. I, I we all oh, laugh at them so you. much in the office. Um, I think the self tape one is my favourite, rightly or wrongly. That's my favourite one. Um, <laughs> okay. But what motivated you to make the first one and and put it out there? Um, 
So that would be because I spent eight months of one of the lockdowns, it's all a blur now, at my now fiance's dad's house with her. Three of us were there. She had a job. She was working for the NHS. I was at home, her house every day with absolutely nothing to do other than kind of just trying to stop myself going crazy. Mm. And uh, a, a very good friend of mine, we would just send each other videos and voice clips and funny little ideas and observations about the industry. And I think there's so many ridiculously funny people in the industry, you know. And also it's, it's, it's a big, but it's a niche world. And once you know a type of character, once you know a certain type of director or audition or environment, it's relatable. So we would just spend our time as anecdotally sending little videos or clips about funny things that, you know, happened to us. And I said, and then just one day I said, oh, like this. And I sent him a video of myself pretending, you know, talking to nobody just in the, in the bedroom, but pretending I was at a theatre bar, bumping into an old friend that I'd not seen in years, who was, of course, doing so much better than me, more successful. Um, they, I think they had a, a girlfriend and I didn't, and the girlfriend was filming as well. And, and then we said, oh, you know, well, we must, we must meet up. Let's have that coffee. And I said it to my friend and he said, um, he said, you know, you should put this on social media. And I, I didn't want to initially because I, well, I kind of found the idea of it quite arrogant to be like, here's, here's, here's my face. You will want to see it. So here it is in front of you. I didn't, I'd never done anything like that before, apart from stand up. It just felt like a very different thing with the phone. I was like, uh, uh, the kind of, immortalization of there's a video of my face on it was really weird plus I didn't ever tweet I didn't really use it I had Twitter I was on it but I didn't ever use it um I was gonna ask if you were a big social media person like user before this but well I I had it and I mean yeah I I am on because we all have to be on it kind of thing yeah I I'm on them but I was never and I actually resented the link between the industry and Twitter, mainly because I think I'm just getting old, older, <laughs> and I've been around the industry before. It feels like before Twitter was a thing. I probably found it all quite scary and new and didn't like it. And, I, you know, I would have emails from, from various people in the industry about like making sure your Twitter's up to date and all of that. And I kind of had this idea of, I don't know why my social, my personal private social media has anything to do, isn't it about what I want it to be mm. as opposed to it should be about the industry. Um, and then, and then obviously that changed. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I just, I just, I, I, I put the video up uh, based on the fact that he would share it. I said, I want one person to share it. I said, cause if you don't, if no one shares it, or likes it, it's really embarrassing. So can you share it? No, that's just one person, isn't it? Yeah, and then uh, he did. And then, I don't know. I mean, I think I just remember kind of looking at my phone throughout the day and refreshing it, and it would be like 5,000, 10,000 views, 20,000 views, 50,000. And I think it went to about 70,000 people had watched it which blew my mind. And I always operate in football stadium sizes. So yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's an old Trafford, which just freaks me out, the concept of like a full football stadium. Because um, I'm a big football fan. And, and, and also as well, then you see all these well-known actors sharing it. And that was very 
very just very surreal and unexpected mm-hmm. um and is the what was point, the reaction kind of like is it mostly well, it was, positive it, oh yeah no it was all positive it oh, was good. all positive um yeah 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 it was people kind of going uh, you know this is so how it is this is so real I've been yeah. in this situation <laughs> this is and just people saying it's funny this is hilarious this is funny um I've been luckily, I know Twitter can be a really horrible place for some people, but I've been quite lucky that my experience of it has only really been positive. I mean, all the jokes I do are always self-deprecating to a certain extent. The whole thing, the whole joke is about how awful it is to be an actor. That's all it is. It's about how hard and swimming against the tide it is. And um, But also at the same time, it's a kind of tongue-in-cheek thing of being like, but we love it really and we wouldn't do anything else. And that, isn't it ridiculous? But isn't it wonderful? So every the 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 engagement is always positive, which is really lovely. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, with it being self-deprecating and an actor in this kind of bottom of the pile scenario, um, doesn't give anybody any room to kick you down further. <laughs> God, how bleak's that? I know. It's a happy note. <laughs> Cheery. Um, <laughs> on the on those, so did you uh, before you post it? Like, do you have an agent? Yes. So, yeah. did you speak to them before you posted it? No. Did they say anything about it? I was just curious they, about how that works. They, well, especially because the they've been so no. successful. Well, no, I mean, initially, I think, like me, that we were just both a bit baffled. We were like, "This is crazy! What's going on?" And the unintentional side effect of it all was because it was about the industry. Lots of casting directors started to share it, and then I started to go, "Oh, hang on, you know, this is." Uh, is is this is can I get a job out of this? So then I started to accumulate a list of casting directors that would share it. I would send it to my agent and go, you know, let's let's try and generate opportunities from these people. But no, I didn't. I didn't ask for permission initially. Um, I just on that very proactive, like making that list, sending it to your agent. Let's get in a copy in or whatever. Um, did anything ever come out of it? Well, yeah, I I I started to. Uh, just just speak frankly this is how this is how bizarre it was about a month before i i suppose i'm gonna say all this now yeah about a month before i started doing these videos i was thinking about getting a new agent anyway and i started writing to various agencies i wrote to about five agents and i got all no's just even no replies or well the two replies i got were thanks but no thanks Mm -hmm. within about a month two months of me putting these videos up I had a list of about 10 agents, all of whom I'd had direct messages with back and forth on Twitter, like, thanks for the follow, just kind of, just just sticking my face in there ever so slightly. And just oh, loads of replies, like, these are great. Whenever you, if you ever want to ch- have a chat, here's my email, here's my number, if you ever want to have a coffee. So it was like this unbelievably huge difference. And I felt overwhelmed so then I decided to do something that I'd never done before, which is I approached three casting directors, uh, all of whom I've, I've, I sort of at that point, I, I did know some more than others. Mm-hmm. I did know them. And I just asked if I could have an email exchange with them or a Zoom. And I just said the same thing to them, which was, look, I, I, I want to 
capitalize and utilize this moment because I'm aware how fickle social media can be and how quickly things can change and that tomorrow it might be old news and I want to strike while the iron's hot. And I said, so this is my list of agents. Who should I contact? And unbeknownst to each other, they all said the same person. Really? Interesting. And that 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 person I emailed, uh, spoke to for about an hour on the phone and is now my agent. Funny how things work out, isn't it? Yeah, it's you know, it's 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 great. It's great. And and I don't know. I was going into those sort of conversations being, even though I'd been working for a few years, I was suddenly this guy who did this thing. And a lot of people knew me for this thing, Mm -hmm. as opposed to spending years of just kind of just sort of appearing through the crowd saying, hi, I'm another actor. I'm just kind of looking for representation. I don't mean to, I don't undermine myself or anybody in that situation, but that's just, just that's the difference. It was, I suddenly had this, <clears throat> thing now that I'd not that I'd not had before, mm-hmm. um, but all of this stuff I was working it out as I went, and it was just every day was a surprise to me. At no point was any of this some long term plan, or I had no idea of it was going to go like this, or that I wanted it to go like this. Mm-hmm. It just did. And how do you feel about social media now as like a creative or promotional outlet for actors? Um, Let's see if your opinion changed of it at all. I think that I think it's brilliant. I think it's useful. You know, I think it's 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 so many different. It's so many things. It's neither good or bad. It's good and bad, and it's useful and it's difficult, and it's 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 so many different things. I think that the fact that you can now upload a video and more for free, and more people might watch that in a morning than what would cost you like thousands of pounds to go to Edinburgh. And sell out a show is baffling and amazing. And the fact it can directly put you in touch with some of the most influential people in the industry is that's an invaluable thing. That's, you know, amazing. And for some people, it can be life changing. But also as well, at the same time, it's so important to remember that social media is it's it's it doesn't it's not a real thing. It's just an app. It's not tangible. It's a thing that you can delete and without it, if all every, every social media app just disappeared now, acting would still carry on and there would still be brilliant shows and there would still be casting directors and there would still be this, that and the other. So it's not the be all and end all. You know, I, I know that because a lot of people ask me about, oh, you know, I was just saying to you that I've led workshops about doing online content and stuff and all of that seems quite new to me. It's very difficult to kind of give advice for people that want to do it because it is a, like a Wild West thing, Twitter right. is. For some people, videos work. I mean, Rosie Holt's a good friend of mine. She's doing a sellout run at Edinburgh at the moment. Her stuff has just absolutely took off. Um, and then I know, I know other people that have had very similar experiences to that. And then I know other people that make amazing, brilliant content and it doesn't get the engagement that it should. And I don't know what the answer to, to, like to that is. Art. I mean, yeah, there, you know, there is also a chance that had I stopped not put up my videos in the pandemic, had I put them up at another time, they might not have worked. Or had it been, you know, there's all these kind of sliding doors elements to it, I think. And um so whilst it is brilliant and it's a great tool and a great opportunity to be seen, I, I, I think it's not, the, it's, not, it's not the only thing mm-hmm. in the world. Do you know what I mean? There's millions of actors that have been incredibly successful, not on social media and will be 
not on social media in the future. Yeah. But for some people, it's it could be it's, a useful it's tool. Great. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think as well, it's it's. I don't know as well. Now, the one thing I'm starting to get more and more conscious of is how like all the because I always forget. Like, I don't know what's on there from like ten years ago. I don't want to get. I don't want to get well known, and then and then somebody digs out me at a house party in 2013. So <laughs> that kind of freaks me out as well. You know, the idea of once it's there, it's it's there. So I think I just try to tread carefully with it all, and I just try as much as I can just to see disengage from it as much as I can use it for when I want to use it and and not be too glued to it I think that's a healthy balance isn't it because it's it's it can be like a real rabbit hole I guess you could just keep on going and suddenly hours have gone by um but equally it's great for connecting with people um and you know if you are making stuff and you you want people to see it or you want to at least put it there for people to find then I guess it's a really Mm. good thing did you make a conscious decision about which platforms you were going to post it on? Because is it just primarily Twitter you use? Yeah, I don't know. I think probably because my mate said you should put that on Twitter. I think that was basically <laughs> the amount of thought that went. I went, okay, all right. I think that was about the amount of thought that went into it. I mean, I, I, I post it across all the platforms, really. I put it on Facebook and I my think mum's I watch friends. I your stuff in, on, Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. On Instagram. I put it on person. Facebook, like my mum's friends enjoy it. I put it on Instagram, people watch it on there. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet. Sometimes people stop me in the street and go, you're that TikTok guy. And I go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess that's part of the deal. I've just got to say, okay, even though I'm not on TikTok. Um, yeah, no, I just kind of put it on on all of them, I suppose. Yeah. No, not really, not, not much thought goes into it. Okay. I got a little bit, uh, when, they, when they first started, you know, blowing up and I wanted to kind of keep... Um, keep that momentum going I tried to be kind of consistent with how often I did them and even times of the day and stuff like that I suppose because uh, I found if you know if it's if it's not broke don't fix it type thing it was working that I would upload mm-hmm. it in like midweek in the morning so I kind of kept doing that but um yeah it's shameful to say but not an awful lot of thought more went into the kind of technicalities of it other than just sort of film it in my in my in my lounge hope it's funny put it on twitter and see what happens well i was going to ask about the process of actually creating the video so do you sit down think of an idea come up with like a script or do you just freestyle like how do you how do you think yeah like from the idea through to actually posting it like what do you do well, I suppose I have a lot of thoughts come to me when I'm sort of doing mundane things like in the shower or when I'm cycling or just, I just have these kind of things pop into my head and I'll stick it straight into my notes folder. So you could be like an actor, you know, there's a podcast with the spotlight, for example, for example. <laughs> and then I will then break down all the kind of things that I, I would experience from that or expect to experience from that, but also fundamentally the things that would be very relatable as well. Um, and I kind of just bullet point and go from there. And then I try and think about maybe some sort of twist or punchline or something at the end. But then really, I suppose the most work I do is, is, is when I film it. And that's just, um, I, I kind of just, kind of just hope for the best. And do I, you film it on your phone? These, yeah, I just like, as if I'm taking a selfie, I yeah. hold my phone in front of me. And um, I, you know, I think when I first started doing it, I filmed it all as one video, whereas now I've got a little app like an iMovie type app that I 
chop it up and I put them together and jump bits around. I use an app called Mix Captions as well, because quite early on people were commenting saying that, you know, I need to make this as accessible for everyone as possible. Yeah. So that's actually quite probably the most technical part of it because you have to upload a video into this app and then it kind of like transcribes your audio into captions, but I talk quite quickly. So it's nothing like what I've said. So then I have to go through it second by second and change the words around. So um, who or what are your comedy inspirations? Um, I think, I think growing up, I pretty much religiously watched Young Ones, Bottom, Forty Towers. In my teens, I got pretty heavily into The Office and Extras. Um, All the classics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not very unique, or you know. And, I, I, and I've also always loved watching stand up as well. Um, Richard Bates, Billy Connolly. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock. I mean, it is kind of like your 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 entry level aspiring comedy start pack of who to watch. You know, just the greats. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, I've kind of always been quite drawn to dry, awkward British humour, uh, like fly on the wall stuff. Yeah. observing kind of awkward British scenarios and I think that's quite mainstream comedy today um, and then I think I think more recently I think stuff like Ghosts on BBC is fantastic I think Staffletts Flats is one of the best comedies that's come out in years in my opinion so are you super happy fun. to be in it well yeah I mean I, I didn't know you knew that I thought yeah. we were gonna I didn't that is not I, I didn't say that so that you would say that um <laughs> Yeah, that was that was that was mad. I, I was chatting to Nikki Blake who casts it, and she said, "We'll bring you in for that." And you know, you hear those things, and you go, "Oh yeah, sure." But then it actually happened. I did a tape, and next thing I know, I was filming with Jamie Demetriou running around a flat in Wembley or somewhere, and he was giving me a viewing, and it was this surreal moment. And I watched that show so much to so suddenly stood in front of stuff was great. <laughs> Watching him at work was fantastic as well. Um, very very funny performer. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose, I suppose that sort of, but, but, but also as well, I don't, I, it's kind of just whatever I think is funny. Now I spend, I'm so exhausted all the time with work. I spend most of my time just watching Gogglebox. That's all I really watch at the moment. I think Gogglebox uh, is one of the funniest things on telly, though. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? Really? Just I mean, if you want to sit around and watch real, real, real funny people, watch, watch Gogglebox. But yeah, I suppose. I don't know, that doesn't really give you too much of an exciting answer, but it, it was just kind of all the classic British stuff. I, I think it's all perfectly valid and it's all it's all people I watch and shows I watch as well. And I'm sure it shows, well, clearly it shows that a lot of people watch because they're so popular. So um, and has, has the process of like creating your comedy videos and the response that you've received, has it made you consider writing something for stage or something for screen perhaps? Yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of in the process at the moment of uh, talking with various production companies about how to uh, um, take the online thing into a bigger world and that character. So that is the the plan. That's you know, I've been, I've been a bit. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I've been very lucky that over the last year and a half, I've done lots of lots more TV than I've ever normally done. So I'm just trying to. Uh, 
hone those skills, learn as much as I can about that world and just keep relentlessly writing, keep trying to generate as many opportunities. I'm trying not to just become content with the fact that, oh, you know, loads of people see my videos, so that's it. I'm just always trying to push and work onto the onto the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that is very much the uh, the goal and the, and the plan at the moment to to try and do something like that. Um, because I think that, you know, just going back to what I said at the beginning, you spend so much of this time, time in this industry just feeling like you're waiting, feeling like things are out of your control. And it dawned on me that if it was any other industry, if I was in any other industry, um, uh, eventually you'd kind of you probably make your own business. You know, if you were trained to be an estate agent, or, and this is maybe what I would do anywhere, or an accountant or anything like this. After years ago, I'd probably go, oh, I'm just going to sell my, I'll probably try and start my own business. That seems like what most people do. They'll just work for you and then they're like, I'll go and do, a lot of people do that. And I just thought, well, I suppose you don't, it doesn't always look like you can do that in the acting industry, but mm-hmm. I suppose you can, you know, people can. I, I know so many people that write and direct and try and make production companies and and, and, and just try and generate their own opportunities alongside. It's tough, but people do it. And I also find that I think the most exciting people and in, in the industry and often the most successful ones are the ones who've really honed in on what they are, what makes them them. It's that Oscar Wilde quote, like, be yourself because everybody else is taking yeah. <laughs> It's a bit of a cliche thing, but you know what I mean? It's We spend so much, in this industry, you spend so much time watching other people be successful and watching other people do things. It's so hard not to get envious and things like that, but they are them and you are you and nobody can do you in the way that you do you. So I think that, you know, if you watch some of the best people, they just really utilise and capitalise on the thing that they do and that's made them valuable. Mm. That's a really good point. I think understanding yourself and knowing knowing your I guess your type your cast is um you know that can only be a great yeah thing. yeah that, that does help but you know I suppose that um more than it, well it feels to me that now more than ever there are a lot of opportunities to generate your own stuff I mean Edinburgh is a great example of that sort of thing and uh, and obviously on, on online stuff as well okay. but I find that um unifying for actors and I find that encouraging because it gives power to the people who are in a well it feels a power situation for a lot of it do you know, you know what I mean yeah yeah um how do you stay motivated I don't know like just drink loads of coffee and try and go to the <laughs> gym and stay sane and um I think just like try and remember why I wanted to to do it all um i i put i put aside time i put aside time to focus on the thing because if i don't do that i will just watch telly and sleep next to my cat and go (laughs) another day's wasted i have to put time aside and go right i am going to do that in that time otherwise i just won't do it Mm. so my motivation is trying to be structured um and then the heartbeat of that is remembering why I set out to do it in the first place. And just knowing that all of this has come about, well, a lot of it has been with the help of the other people, but without, if I hadn't done it myself, none of this would have happened. So I need to just keep keep that keep that mindset. Yep. Healthy. Yeah. Um, how do you 
so you I mean you're you're busy right so you're you're doing yeah. I, mean, I know you're on stage um at the moment and you are also sort of creating your own work you're also having these discussions about production potentially um so how do you balance everything like how do you balance like making your own stuff whilst also putting yourself forward for roles for for paid work and then perhaps actually if you have a side job I don't know but like how do you balance all of that stuff um well I'm probably not the I'm probably sure some people are really really good at it I don't know how good at it I am because I really like to be busy mm-hmm. I prefer to be um occupied doing a million different things if I sort of sit around and do nothing I feel quite guilty I feel like I should have I've wasted some time here so yeah I suppose like the answer to my the last question I just I just factor in time I, I make sure that I've got enough time I, I try and balance out work and pleasure and also relationships as well I feel like it's so important to you know I'm I'm lucky that I live with my partner and I've got a family and my friends and all of that but it can be so easy in the industry to get distracted and be too busy for people and 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 to sort of forget mates occasionally and stuff like mm-hmm. that but family and you know your friends being your family are vital and they're the ones that will be there throughout so it's I think it's really important they'll be there when things are successful and things are unsuccessful for you so it's really important to factor in time for those things as well so I just make I just you know I just have a little diary and I just make sure everything goes in there and I and I stick to it as much as I can um and of course my work life bleeds into my personal and private life my leisure life but I try to just block it out as much as I can Mm -hmm. so I'll take myself out for a walk for a couple of hours and I won't think about anything to do with the auditions and then a thought will pop in about taking a Greg's to the arts <laughs> theatre, and I'll and I'll break down and cry. Um. So, can you tell us a bit about what you've been working on recently? Yeah, I can. So, uh, for the last year and a half, as I said, off the back of the videos, I've been lucky to do quite a bit of um, TV, and in particular, the sort of stuff that I want to do. So, we touched on things like Stathlet's Flats. I just filmed a new an episode of a new a show that just come out. Um, called uh, Sneakerheads, which is on uh, Channel Dave, produced by Rough Cuts TV, who also did staff. Um, I was lucky enough to work with Daisy Haggard in a show called Breeders, which is the uh, Sky TV show produced by uh, lots of brilliant people, including Gina Lyons. And I had one scene where I played a a pretty jobs-worthy, annoying ticket attendant, Daniel, I want to say. I can't really remember. Uh, Opposite the excellent, excellent Daisy Haggard. Um, I, I was lucky to work with Stephen Merchant on The Outlaws, which is his uh, Amazon show, which I think was also on the BBC. Um, yeah, and so you know, I've just been really, I'm really grateful and you know, lucky to, 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 to have done those things. And uh, and then yeah, I'm in Regent's Park at the minute doing their big summer musical, which is 101 Dalmatians as well. So I'm doing I'm doing that at the moment. We have eight shows a week. I'm back on stage tonight. How's that experience been for you? Um, you know, the experience has, has been great. Uh, I've never worked outdoors before, so actually, that's not true. I have. It was about ten years ago, but I can barely remember it. Uh, uh, it's 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 fun. Um, 
we've had heat and rain stops during shows. We've been performing in, of course, the heat wave, forty degree heat, um, in a production which is about skinning puppies and wearing big leather coats and fur right. jackets. So, and I play Casper, uh, which Corella has these two nephews, Casper and Jasper, who she kind of manipulates to go steal all the puppies for her. And she sends us off, and the costume designer, for whatever reason, gave us these big, thick leather coats. And um, so we basically have to run around stage and grab puppet puppies dressed in leather. <laughs> so it's been very hot. Also, I don't really do the musical theatre thing so much. So, um, yeah, so the, yeah, that's and Regent's Park's a really nice place to work. I live in North London, so it's a, a nice little cycle to work. I don't think I've ever been lucky enough to cycle from home to a theatre in London before and go to work. It's, it's great. And I get to work with Kate Fleetwood every day and face Cruella, who's sensational. Um, so have you noticed a change in the industry after the pandemic lockdowns? Cause if you've been busy, I just wonder if like productions have changed, if being on stage has changed, if audiences have changed, um, have you noticed anything? Well, the big, I suppose the big change is the amount of self tapes now, you know, I've had like two in-person auditions maybe in the last year mm. and I probably have a couple of self tapes two or three self-tapes a, a, a month or so come in. So a lot of that. So I had to up my game, get the lights and get the, the tripods and all of that sort of stuff that I'm still learning to do. That for me has been the biggest notable, a noticeable difference. Yeah. Do you think uh, it's going to be the new normal? Yeah, I, I imagine so. I think so. I can't really imagine why it would change. It's surely it's more economical for, for, for people. You know, you don't have to hire somebody to read in you don't have to hire a room and you don't have to hire a room for multiple recalls and things like that it's a way that they can see a lot more people mm. uh, for actors I think there's pros and cons to it I mean the con being that you don't really get to be in the room so you don't really get a vibe of personality right. um but you can just send it when you're ready do you know what I mean when you when you're happy with it um, I guess you save on travel costs as well to it, but yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's you know, it's it's it can be quite stressful for actors, you know, because it's like and it comes, and then you've got to get your friend over, and you've got to make sure you get. But but mm -hmm. I, I I think I quite like it. I think as well. Don't be afraid to. Uh, um, a lot of actors feel like they're stabbing in the dark with self tapes. Going, oh, I don't know, is this the sort of thing that they want? I, I quite often will do a few different versions of it. I think cast directors are quite grateful for that. So if anyone's listening and struggles with it, I always just do a few completely different versions of it and, and, and send that over. I yeah. don't think that hurts. Um, uh, but I, in terms of being at work, I think, uh, 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 well, the I think audiences really, uh, really appreciate and uh, enjoy and cherish live theatre. Maybe more than ever. There's still people going to the theatre now. This is August 2022. There's still people going to the theatre now. It's their first time back mm. uh, going to the theatre after the pandemic. First time going to drinks after shows, going to press night parties, going to, you know, that sort of stuff. So I think that people are excited by it, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, the, but then the process of working is tricky because people are still getting COVID. You know, I mean, I I was unfortunate enough to get it when I was rehearsing Regent's Park. It's still very much out there, you know. And if you go on film sets and TV shows, it's COVID coordinators or the crew are in yeah. masks. It's still very much a thing. Um, it's a big question, but uh, what's your ambition as an actor? Oh 
Wow. I think, um, I, do you know what? I think just to kind of, there's such a holy grail element to acting. It's, it's never enough. You know, it's always, I want that. It's always, I want more. I want to do that job. I want that. They're doing that job. So I want to do that job. I think everybody feels like that. So I suppose my ambition would be just to have a steady, stable career with enough income that I can occasionally go to Spain. And I can just be happy and be content and have it not completely dominate my life. There are specific things I want to achieve. There's certain roles I want to do. There's things I want to achieve. There's writing stuff I want to go to. But my uh, the thing that overrides all of that would just be to find, just be content with where it's at and not spend all day, day in, day out, my whole career feeling like, oh, if only I could get a little bit more, mm. I'd be happy. Just trying to be happy with, what I've got whilst trying to generate the, the, the work that I enjoy. Lovely. And my last question is, what are you currently watching or listening to that you would recommend? So, uh, yeah, what, what am I uh, watching and listening to? So the main thing I'm listening to, so I'm marathon training, I'm running the London Marathon on October the 2nd for Children with Cancer UK. And uh, I'm not very good at listening to music when I exercise, so I listen to podcasts. There's a brilliant podcast for anybody that's interested in, in writing and writing comedy in particular. There's a great podcast called Sitcom Geeks, which you can get on Spotify or any of those Acast or any of those um, streaming uh, apps, which is run by a guy called James Carey, who wrote a sitcom called Bluestone 42, wrote Miranda, he wrote lots of other things. There's another guy that runs it as well. I can't remember his name right now. And it just every episode is a completely different thing. So, um, structure story joke writing characters narrative seasons like just every episode it's like half an hour 45 minutes if you're an aspiring comedy writer i think it's really interesting and useful i also like to listen to um, james a Custer and ed gamble's um common boys called now well, it's that good i've forgotten what i it's can't called. either and i listen to it too <laughs> something about eating didn't off menu that's it <laughs> off menu i listen to that and I love Beyonce when I run as well. That's the only other thing. And then, honestly, I'm only watching Gogglebox. During this show, I get in at like 11 o'clock at night. I barely got any words left even to say hello to my fiancé. So I slump into the sofa, watch Gogglebox or any film that happens to be on TV. I'm trying to think about what we've watched recently. I'm about to start watching The Great because uh, Douglas... Mm. Hodge composed Central My Dimensions. I know he's in it and I need to I need to watch that. I feel like I mean, I just watched James Graham's uh, Sherwood, which was pretty spectacular. Um Google Box. <laughs> I just put a full stop and then we're done. <laughs> we, are, we are done. Thank you so much for your time, Johnny. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank thanks so much for, for inviting me on. <laughs>